0: hello my name is uh travis and this morning i made a horrifying realization um i don't know what to do with my life and i am 36 years old and i feel like most people have kind of figured that out by now but like i still haven't and um I've always wanted to make some sort of impact on the world, be an artist, do creative things. And I just feel like I keep failing at that, as well as life at large, really. And then I realized that because I haven't really made an impact, that I will be forgotten one day, you know? I'm not going to be like one of these celebrities or uh, legends or historical figures that people talk about hundreds of years from now. You know, one day I will die and nobody will remember who I was. You know, I might be lucky enough to have friends and family still around that will remember me for a little while. But once they die out... I will be forgotten One day somebody will think about me for the last time And won't remember who I was And that's really scary You know I don't think anybody wants to be forgotten Um, But it is A tragic Awful truth that I think Most of us will end up um, Succumbing to And in these thoughts I just thought, hey, you know, maybe I just tell my stories while I'm still around. They might not be particularly interesting stories, you know, I'm not Beyoncé or like some big movie star. So like I I don't blame you if you tune out. But, you know, I have stories, you have stories, everybody has stories. And the area that really kind of interests me is kind of the turn of the century, the new millennium, because I am a millennial. And I think with a lot of millennial nostalgia coming back or being a big thing, uh, millennial fashion (laughs) becoming a big thing, a lot of young people are kind of um, doing the thing that we used to do about, like, the 70s and 80s, where they're just like wow, I wish I was around during that time. (laughs) And, uh, it's kind of horrifying, I guess, for somebody like me. That's just like, it wasn't that long ago. But to them it was. So, like, maybe telling stories from my youth um, from that time might help people uh, fill in some gaps, um, understand things better. I don't know. Um... So, I kind of got this idea for this. I don't know if it's going to be a podcast yet, but we'll see what happens. Um, but the idea in my head basically is, uh, millennial teen cringe, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. If you're millennial and you have some teen cringe you want to talk about, why don't we just talk about it? Um, so yeah. Anyway, um, so I was born in small town Indiana in 1987 to teenage parents, um, which I actually I'm thankful for because like, I feel like um, while maybe you're not prepared to have children at a young age, um, I feel like I've I got like a, a good dose of pop culture from my family because, you know, my mom was a teen girl. So like I got the full extent of like eighties and nineties, like pop music from her. And then my dad was super into like, like uh, folksy rock music. So like, I love me some Fleetwood Mac and some, some, uh, some Eagles now. Um, I think that the fact that I'm not so much younger than my parents, also makes me in a way feel closer to them um even though like we have our issues i i'm thankful um for that i know that sounds strange but but i am um but yeah a small town indiana boy uh, i went to floyd central high school which was a very and still is <laughs> kind of a bougie high school um it's it's out in the country, but it's where all of the like the lawyers and real estate agents and doctors send their kids and like I was one of the poor kids that went to the school. And um uh it could be rough at times. Um I'm not gonna lie. But uh one of the big claim to fames of the school was it was a very uh prominent musical in um, theater arts school, um, it was a public school, or it is a public school, but it has a literally Grammy award-winning music and theater program. Um, and I was a theater and a choir kid, uh, and it was really funny because at my school, <laughs> um, the athletics they were okay, but people people tended to care more about the music program than the, uh, than the athletics. And so I remember there were times when like I'd be doing a play and like, we would have a huge crowd and it was the same night as like a basketball game and like the basketball players would get so mad because we had a bigger crowd than them. And that was, that was fun. You know, that was nice. Um, it it certainly helped being a um, gay theater kid in the early 2000s that I had that kind of atmosphere uh, to grow up in. But it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. Um, I'll go out and say it. I know that there are some people that might be listening to this that are like, oh, that wasn't my experience but my experience in the theater program was very much that my teacher and director was um, very susceptible to (laughs) money and kind of was mean-spirited and would pit a lot of us against each other and he did have his favorites and his favorites probably had no idea this stuff was going on but to us on the outside, I don't know. It was so weird trying to be, to always, like, be competing for his attention. And now looking back, I I don't even fuck with that anymore. Like, that just, that's abusive behavior to me. Um, I was even friends with him on social media for several years until finally I realized that every time, like, I came across his page... I would freeze up like a teenager because like I was so desperate for his approval back then. And he never believed in me. And, um, so like it took a very long time for me to realize that I just needed to let that go. Um, but that was my experience. Um, it was rough. I did love doing theater, Um, I was in every play I could get my hands on. um, And I made a lot of very talented friends that I still talk to to this day. I'm very thankful that um, that experience brought them into my life. Uh, I don't know if I would want to relive it, though. Because, like, I was very desperate for approval and very much being a caricature of myself so that I could get that approval and I, I'm, I will say that there are many positive things that came out of that but also you know I wasn't being my true self and fuck me I don't know if, if I'm still being my true self now like I, I'm not sure who that is but I know that that person wasn't it you know but yeah, I was the obnoxious theater kid, uh, very much like on Glee. I would <laughs> I would sing going down the hallways. Um, I I remember when um, the darkness, uh, I believe a thing called love came out and um, I don't know if I can do it anymore, but I used to be like I, I had a very high falsetto voice to the point where like in choir sometimes like i would sing like soprano stuff and um i would always oh shit people were so annoyed with me i would always hit that high note from that song going down the hallway and people just like stare daggers at me um fun times um i'm glad that people didn't have (laughs) the foresight of 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 slushying people like on because I, I would have been ground zero for that. Um, but yeah, we had, uh, we did so many musical productions. Uh, my favorite was a smaller one. It was Pippin. I played the severed head. It was, uh, it was a good time. Um, we did, we, <laughs> this is so funny. One year, um, we were going to do the whiz. Okay, and I need you to understand that my school was a mostly white school, and our rival school um, was like uh, it was closer to the city, so it, it was more diverse. And they they were also very they're also very big theater school, and though <laughs> their theater kids made fun of us so much just like so many white people jokes so many like oh the whiz mayonnaise jokes and um you know what back then I didn't understand it now I do because you know it's you know we we have a lot more information now than we did back then so like my white privilege back then I just did not understand but now I get it like if you were not like a person of color, you should probably leave the whiz alone. Um, so I get it. They made fun of us so hard that we just did not do the show. Um, they were right. <laughs> um, there was another show that we were going to do that I'm very sad that we didn't get to do. It was Bat Boy the musical. Um, if you don't know, it's based on Bat Boy, the, uh, the, the cryptid, I guess you could say, from uh, the National Enquirer and I was going to play pastor, reverend, something like the the religious guy, and I had a big solo, um, and it was such a dream. However, my casting director, theater teacher, whatever, um, for that particular show decided to cast people that didn't usually get the leads, a.k.a. The not rich kids. Um, <laughs> and um, so we were all excited because we were all kids that didn't normally get the chance to have solos and have, you know, big parts in plays, And uh, so what ended up happening is the kids that did usually get the lead roles all kind of rallied together and... Refused to perform because it was a class production it was we did um like musical productions that you had to audition for and then we also had our musical theater class class productions that you did for a grade and this was going to be a class production for a grade and they were just like they were like on strike because they didn't get the parts that they wanted and so um our teacher kind of caved in and uh, decided that we weren't going to do the show because they weren't going to perform. And it was heartbreaking. We did do like a little cabaret performance of all the uh, all the the numbers in the show. But, yep, we had to cancel the whole show because of some spoiled children. Um, and these are all people that I don't really talk to to this day. So, fuck them. Like, whatever. Uh Yeah, I had so many good memories, though. Like, I'm talking about some bad stuff, but, like, I had good memories, too. Um, One thing that I feel like I took for granted, because, like, I was the poor kid in the school, um, is that every year our theater program would be invited to... Um, I don't know if it's called International or whatever, the National Thespian Festival in Nebraska, and we usually got one of the slots on stage where we would perform in front of all these other schools, and it was super cool, Um, but it cost a lot of money to go, and I had no idea that I wasn't like as well off as all these other kids my parents were very good at like hiding that from me and that is one thing that I will always cherish but also feel very bad about is that I didn't know the financial strengths that we were in you know and my parents made it it happen like they made it happen at least three years in a row for me and um that's another reason why, like, I get kind of sad that I'm not, like, as successful as I want to be right now. Because, like, if I could pay them back for everything that they have done for me, uh, I would, you know. um But anyway, so we went to the Thespian Festival in Nebraska every year. And it was just the most fun. Um, it First of all, it was the first time I had been around a lot of other, like, Gay people, my age, um, like just meeting them because, like, you got to remember, like, this was the early two thousands. Internet, yeah, was kind of a thing, but like, it wasn't like it is now, where you can just get on Grinder and have a date within five minutes. No, um, you had to go on message boards. You had to actively look for things, and people weren't really out, and so like. But like to go to a place where there were so many other queer teenagers. It meant so much to me. And um I was still very naive and and virginal and like I I I'm there's nothing spicy that happened. I didn't hook up with anybody. There was, I remember one year I went, there was this one guy that always wore cat ears that I was, like, obsessed with. Like, I was, like, in love with him. (laughs) And I remember one of the techie girls that was tagging along with me uh, whenever, like, I would, like, walk around the campus, because it was on our college campus. um, She just was really brutally honest, and she was just like, you know what? I don't think you're his type. Very much insinuating, because, like, I am a fat guy, and he was, like, a twink, and like... You know, she might have been right, but, like, damn, it's brutal. Um, I, st- I think about, I call him Capway in my head to this day. I think about where he might have ended up. I hope he's doing well. Never, like, officially met him. Just kind of looked at him from afar. Um, but that was a fun time. Honestly, I could probably just keep giving teen theater stories for the whole rest of whatever this is, but, um, I, we might circle back to it. Let's, let's move on. You know what else is weird about being a millennial who was a teenager in the early 2000s? Um, going to school during 9-11. That was, that was a, that was a strange day. Um, so I do remember, it's very true when they say you always remember where you were when something crazy happens um so i do remember i was in math class um i i remember the math class was very weird because there was like this little elevated platform like almost like a stage at the front of the math class and i was like walking because it was before class started so like i was like walking along the edge of this little stage on the mat in the math class just like balancing being like a stupid kid um i was a freshman so i I was 14 maybe 15 i would have been 14 i think right um so i was just like bouncing like trying not to fall off me like whoa you know like doing that (laughs) that whole thing and suddenly like the teacher comes in and like just switches on the tv looking panicked not a word to the class and then, of course, you know, we saw everything that was going on on TV, like the uh, the first plane hitting the tower. Um, I, I I don't think that I understood the gravity of the situation, because I was young, you know? Like, yeah, I was in high school, but I was still a kid, you know? I was just... I wasn't sure exactly what was going on, right? Um, and so, like... I remember not, and this could also be because I am very neurodivergent and I probably was back then, I just didn't realize it. but I remember not really grasping why everyone was so, like, upset, um, which is so fucked up to say, but, like, yeah, and so, like, I would be making jokes and, like, I remember, like, my best friend Erin, who I used to host a podcast with, I, I talk to all the time, you will hear about her again, maybe she'll even, if this becomes a show, she'll be on, uh, probably, but um, I remember, like, I I was joking around with her, and I was like, oh, you look like you're in a good mood, she's like, no, no, today's terrible, and I'm very much not, and, like, being so, like, I unsure of what I said, but it was because of Everything that was going on that day that, like, I I, I don't know why I didn't grasp it. Because I even remember, like, my parents, like, when I got home, like, they were freaking out about it. And, like, I said something snotty, like, you know, I don't see how this affects me. And they were like, oh, it very much affects you. Because it was such, like, a global tragedy. like And it did affect life forever after that but like i was so like i didn't understand like i just i couldn't comprehend the um hugeness of the situation right um certainly like i do now like i and i did after people explained it to me but like it's so bizarre to be a kid when something like that happens, because you don't, like, you don't get it, like, you don't see it through the same eyes as somebody older, somebody that is more aware of the world. Um, And, like, certainly many more tragedies have happened, and I, I completely understand it now, but, like, it's almost like that is the moment... When my belief in the world, my innocent beliefs in what, how the world was, and probably for many other young millennials as well, that feels like the moment where it broke, you know, because after that, like, everything's just been kind of terrible, to be honest, you know, just everything, like, the recession, and, like, not being able to afford things, and just so many other violent tragedies, and, like, (laughs) fucking Trump, like, just everything just seemed to be broken from that point on, and, uh, it's just such a bizarre experience, um, just this collective trauma for all of us millennials that happened at that exact moment in time, right? It's uh, bizarre. Wow, that was downer. <laughs> what? How about we like let's do so let's do a whiplash. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about fashion from that period of time. Because here's the thing that is it's getting very popular on like TikTok and YouTube, where I see like a lot of millennials talking about fashion from that period of time. But, like, a lot of them are just like, this is real fashion, and it's just, like, a tank top and some shorts. But, like, they're just, they're not, they're not going into it, right? Like, and there was so much going on. um, I, I don't know if I ever, like, settled on one particular style. Because I just, well, one, I'm a homosexual, so, like, I, I just, I gotta... I gotta sample everything, right? But, um... (laughs) But, like, also... I don't know. Looking back at it now... I think the things that were awful just, like, faded out on its own time. And now we look back and cringe. But there are a lot of things that really haven't changed, you know? Um... I... (laughs) so I was a big fan of trying I, guys I, I've always been a chubby guy right but like back then like I was I've touched on this before I was so desperate to be liked that I did want to follow the trends right and so like I would stuff my chubby ass into Abercrombie shirts that were not built for me and Abercrombie was like yeah like it was Abercrombie and Hollister um maybe American Eagle but that was slightly poorer and again I went to a high school where everybody had their fucking mommy and daddy's doctor money or whatever um <laughs> so I would always um uh, beg my mom to take me to Abercrombie and I would f- shove my fat ass into these tiny shirts like a sausage casing it was ridiculous um <laughs> so bad um and then i i I had the puka shell necklace everybody had the puka shell necklace it's so i hate those now but like that was on point everybody wanted to look like they were going to the beach in rural indiana um but everybody had that stupid necklace it's so funny because (laughs) i've mentioned this before but like if you go back and watch like um this is NSFW, but if you watch some game porn from that period of time, everybody's got the Bleach Highlights and the Puka Shell necklace on, and it's just an instant boner killer for me. But uh, speaking of Bleach Highlights, I would bleach just the top of my head. Just the top of my head. Platinum Blonde. Just just the top. I would leave the, I would leave the rest my natural color, but just the top of my head. And if that is not some fucking foreshadowing of me being bald on the top of my head uh later in life. Uh unfortunate, but it happened. Um I don't think it <laughs> I don't think it had anything to do with all that die, but um like you know, I just it's bad genes, I guess. <laughs> um but that happened. So like I had the too small Abercrombie shirt the bleached hair, the uh the Puka shell necklace um i had i had this pair of pants from hollister that i i loved i called them my power ranger pants they weren't actual power ranger pants they were like these like bright green pants with a yellow stripe down the side and i got them because those were my school colors and like i wanted to be like i don't know mr pep rally or something um but, like, I wore those so often. Like, I, I wore them for, like, a good 10 years after high school uh, to the point where they, like, fell apart. Like, actually. Um, they were so gaudy. Ugh. They're so awful. Um, I would experiment with emo and in, in scene things from time to time, you know, um, I, I would constantly go to Hot Topic and buy that 20 pack of the little rubber bracelets. And then I would chew them off of my arm like a rat. Like I just, I couldn't not chew on them. So I was constantly (laughs) spending like, what was it? $15, $20 on a new 20 pack every couple of weeks. Uh, that was awful. Um, uh, it was that it was really bizarre. I was in, like, a really bizarre place. Because, like, I was a theater kid. So, and, like, all of, like, the theater kids were, like, kind of preppy. Wearing the pop collars, but also the beach stuff. But, like, all of my friends were technical theater kids. You know, the kids that painted the sets and, like, made the props and stuff. And for whatever reason, all the technical theater kids were like emo, scene, goth kids, um. So they had you know like the studded belts and the all black and the pink streaks in their hair, and uh, so like, I was like I I was always trying to find like a fashionable place in the middle, where like I would try to marry these two like, um, styles, where like I would wear like like a fun pop collar shirt with with like emo jewelry and some eyeliner, and honestly, kind of turned some looks, not gonna lie, um, gosh, fashion in the millennium, ugh, it was so weird, I feel like, okay, so like, it kind of follows like a, a, uh, a roadmap, if you will, because like, at the beginning, uh, 99-2000, we all wanted to be in space. You know, everything was like space outfits, like leathery, matrixy, or like bright colors and like silvers and like, you know, every, all, every music video looked like it was the inside of a cheese grater. Exactly. And then it kind of moved on to like this weird, like bohemian, hippie chic, like everybody had bell bottoms and like those belts like those weird like wicker basket belts um and that also kind of like intermingled with the laguna beach beach beachwear that everybody was doing and then the emo scene started to get real big and everyone was wearing black and like spiky hair and all that and then uh i feel like this is just an extension of the beachwear but it kind of morphed into like what what the kids are calling Twilight Core, where it was like everyone was wearing like the, uh, well especially the girls they were just, they were wearing like the layered tops with like like the, the the tank top with the frilly cami underneath and like the the kind of like the the tops that were I I don't know what to call them I'll call them like capris for your arms because they kind of went like halfway down, um, very that, uh, and I think bits and pieces of them still exist in fashion today, but, like, God, what a fun time. What a fun, weird time. So I kind of touched on it a little bit, but, uh, what was it like being an out teenager in the early 2000s? Well, first of all, I, I wasn't out the whole time, but it was a very glass closet. Everybody knew. Um... I remember when I first officially came out. um, It was in theater class. Uh, (laughs) These two guys. Were like backstage. Talking to me. And they were trying to make a douchey joke. They were like Sue Travis. I heard you came out over the summer. And like I had finally had it. And I was just like. Ready for like these jokes to be over. So I was like yeah. Yeah I fucking did. And then like it was kind of funny. Because like. They backpedaled, and they were like, "Oh well, congratulations! That's very brave of you." <laughs> um, so that happened. That was that was that was actually pretty and pretty much an amusing coming out story, I think. Um, but after that, I just kind of like I stopped caring, and I let people know. And then, um, but at that point, um, and I kind of touched on it earlier, I. F- I kind of started playing a character. Because... And I'm not going to say that it's not all me. Like, there are bits of me that was there, that was present. But in the early 2000s... Um, in the 90s, in the 80s... Like, our only representation... Like, the only thing that I had seen on TV and in movies... and Was very limited it was usually like a victim it was usually um, you know a tragic hate crime victim or AIDS patient or something to be pitied but the only other alternative was these really flamboyant like best friend in a romantic comedy or like one of the queer eye guys because we had the original queer eye in the early 2000s Carson Kressley was like the main one so like those were my two options. I could be a victim or I could be this flamboyant character that was almost like a cartoon. Um, and I leaned towards that. So like my clothes got more flamboyant. i I started doing my hair more flamboyant. I started acting more flamboyant. Um, and it did work in my favor. Because I was putting on this character, yeah. But because of that, like, the straight people, specifically the, the young straight girls, were discovering <laughs> that they wanted to have a gay best friend, right? And, like, they wanted to emulate fucking Reese Witherspoon and Sandra Bullock and, like, have a gay best friend in their rom-com situation and like I was it I was the only out person um so they all gravitated towards me and wanted to be my friend which meant that their boyfriends left me alone so it was kind of after a while like a strategic choice um but like also even though I wasn't being myself I was faking it till I made it I do look back on that and find it a little empowering at times because now like I just sometimes I I do feel like I've fallen into that first category of just being a gay victim of life and like I I hate that about myself so much and I I just wonder where that other guy went and I do have an idea of what happened um, but that is something that I don't want to talk about Um, but there was a power in that and years later actually the closeted kids that were in high school with me have told me that me being so fearless even though I was completely bullshitting the entire time helped them come out and helped them come to terms with themselves and you know what that that is amazing to me that makes it worth it even if it was just me kind of hiding some part of myself i helped other people and that's really cool and if i made any impact on the world that and that's it that that's fine you know that's fine to me i also had guys come out and tell me they had a crush on me after high school and that upsets me because like do you know like how like lonely I was (laughs) being the only one you could have dated me it could have been cool yeah um you know it was it was both rough but also really fun because I did make my own rules and sometimes I look back on that character that I was portraying And think of how maybe I can reintegrate that into my life because maybe he was fake, but he was powerful and I need that power back in my life. You know, I have so much more I could say, um, I have more stories, I have more situations, um, more friends that I could talk about, um, and I would love to, but, like, my brain is kind of fried right now, so I think I'm going to wrap this up. But if you like hearing me ramble in a ADHD fashion about my past, um, let me know. Like, maybe I'll record another episode of this. Um, I actually think this would be a very fun um, idea if, like, maybe I interview some friends or other millennials that are interested in just rehashing their teen cringe um, era <laughs> if they would like to like just let me know um, we'll, we'll talk um, but uh, I think I'm going to wrap this up thank you so much for listening um, and you have a wonderful day I'll talk to you guys later